Now, we've just heard the nominee for deputy president in the African National Congress's top six, Lindy Wesisuru, explaining why she entered this race first as a presidential candidate, and then, of course, also her experiences. And most importantly, she gave us breaking news, uh, effectively telling us that the um, issue around how the additional members are going to be uh, collated uh, for delegates to go and vote in secret is the subject of commissions uh, and that discussion will happen on the floor uh, and a consideration will be made and it will be taken to the steering committee. Given that we are in the actual uh, elective conference, there is no national executive committee, so the steering committee effectively the most powerful instrument that the governing party has until a new leadership emerge. Now, I've got some really clever people in the studio here with me. They're going to tell me what they think uh, uh, Lindy Wesisulu said. And of course, a lot of them were in the plenary session with me when some of the delegates uh, were actually quite hysterical uh, in their demands uh, to the Electoral Commission, demanding that they be given a list with all the delegates that they can take in. And of course, they were arguing that it is a ballot uh, and that they want all of those names on a ballot because they can't remember how to elect their own leaders. Uh, uh, can you see or can you hear the sarcasm dripping uh, from my voice? I mean, one of the issues that the African National Congress really needs to come to grips with is, of course, that, it, uh, that its electoral procedures are stuck. I think, I won't even say the 1970s, maybe the 1950s. Vuganim De, you have written uh, a really, really smart uh, piece on the fact that um, this archaic way of uh, dealing with a succession uh, is not good for the party. It doesn't equip it to, to be future-proof. Within that context, what do you make of what Lindy Wesisulu said in her interview? Well, it's quite clear, Karima, that's, that's um, um, I mean, we saw the, um, uh, the, the discussion um, and the fight uh, that ANC delegates were having in, inside the hall around the issue of uh, electing the, the 80 additional members to, to the NEC. Um, it's quite clear that, uh, as you say yourself, ANC uh, uh, processes uh, around election do need to be, to, be, to be reformed. How the ANC reforms those processes, particularly when it comes to electing uh, a, a body of 80 members for, for a political party with over 700,000 members scattered around a, a huge country, um, there, there's no easy, there's no easy answers, uh, but it is it is something that unfortunately isn't even in in the um, uh, in the constitutional reform discussions that the ANC is having at this at this conference. So it's a it's a process that the ANC hasn't hasn't begun to um, uh, to grapple with, even though it's quite clear that they should. Um, it, it, it would be easy enough to reform how the ANC uh, elects its uh, its president, its deputy president, its top six. Um, and as you as you say, in the I, I did suggest uh, make some suggestions in the piece that you that, that that you're referring to. Why don't you just put it on the table quickly? Well, one of the things that I, I suggested was that rather than uh, elect uh, the ANC leadership at conference. The ANC should actually elect uh, uh, its leadership every five years by by postal ballot. Um, so every where, party member. So gets that a every vote. party member, all seven hundred thousand party members, actually get a vote. Because what happens now is that um, um, uh, delegates, voting delegates, uh, are managed to be representatives. Each voting delegate is a representative of, of at least one hundred people. 
Uh, that essentially means that 99 people are excluded from, from making the choice. Even though they give the mandate at the, at the branch level to, uh, to the voting delegate, there is no way of ensuring that uh, uh, each delegate uh, is going to, to stick to the mand- mandate that was given to them by, uh, by their branch. And so the ANC essentially doesn't, um, um, doesn't respect the, the, the um, principle of one person, one vote. All right, let me ge- bring Sitembele in here. Uh, when I was with you on the ENCA panel, this is precisely the point that you wanted to make. So you, of course, agree with Vugani. I completely agree with Vugani. And the point is that logistically, it's no more of a nightmare than what we've just no. sat through no. for the last like 30 hours of, of the credentials conversation. And actually, what it would make a lot more sense for is that then what the ANC keeps going on about, about how the branch is, you know, is the center of the party, the most basic, the most unit. basic unit, and branch members are the most important part of that most basic unit, that you would be able to actually live that. Because the logistics of arranging, already the ANC has to, before um, the branch meetings, the branch general meetings, is that it already has to do an audit process of membership, of uh, whether those are members in good standing, where they live. All of those things are done already. So this is information that the ANC has got the capacity to collect. And in fact, what is really interesting, the ANC's branches are in fact structured around wards. And of course, you have a voter's role. And you have so a voter's the role. The infrastructure is almost there, it's if you like. all there. And all you do is that you get uh, help from the IEC about adapting your elective system in order to be able to have the poll and the postal vote, as, as Bugani says. And what it means is that it's a lot more difficult to to bribe a million members than it is to buy 476 bars. Gathered in a space over a period of exactly. four days. Exactly. Richard, um, I want to conduct this conversation at several levels. So obviously we've introduced the necessity for reform in terms of just how ANC leaders are elected, but I also want to deal with the, pro- with the issue in real time. We've just had the nominee for deputy president here. By the numbers, as we look at it, Didi Mabuza is meant to cream this. Uh, is it that simple? Yeah, I was, a, I was a bit surprised by the argument that I've seen put on social media that Zoeli Nikizi drew in order to avoid splitting the vote and therefore to save, inverted commas, all of us in the ANC from Didi Mabuza because actually Didi Mabuza is well ahead. And, and the same argument that applies to the, the, the presidency race, which is that if more or less the um, delegates follow their mandates, then Suram Raposa will win, applies also to Didi Mabuza. If the nominations uh, follow, if the votes follow the nominations, exactly. Bermuda will romp home. However, I'm beginning to, to think, and I'm beginning to feel confident enough with this theory to put it on the table, on the record, that actually there is going to be a bit of a backlash against provincial baronhood, to use an expression, mm. and that actually many of the uh, mandates that don't hold will hold against um, the NDZ slate. Uh, and will favour the Ramaphosa mm-hmm. state. That's, the, that's my gut feel. Mm-hmm. I can't prove it, although I had a couple of, what I was told later, the illegal conversations with delegates inside the hall. I was told there was a rule against that. Um, said, and I must just make this aside, Karim. You know, on the one hand, we've got a, a leading member of the ANC coming here and speaking frankly and refreshingly frankly with you on air and in an impressive fashion. I think we should, we should, we should note that. Meanwhile, we've got bureaucrats 
frankly, thugs telling us we, we're not allowed to speak to delegates. It, it's a, there's a rule against it. That's outrageous. Richard, I wasn't allowed to leave the conference. I had to stand in a lane and wait to be escorted by a security guard. So I hear exactly what you're saying. In fact, I said to Lindy, where, uh, at the town hall, uh, what better present um, to give to your mother and your father, who, of course, were stalwarts, uh, than uh, going down in history as the candidate uh, who forced the African National Congress to relook the way in which it uh, practices democracy and chooses, you know, its leaders. Vugani, let's come back to the kind of real-life situation that we're dealing with here right now. Lindy Sulu spoke to us and said, this matter is going to be referred to commissions. You saw the factionalized atmosphere, uh, you know, in that hall, not just now, but every time we were allowed in. And let's also just tell our listeners that we literally really corralled in a specific space. We can only speak to ANC delegates, uh, you know, on a very choreographed occasions. Uh, and of course, uh, people are being uh, very firmly put in their place, uh, as Richard were, was, uh, when you try and engage. And, and, and it does run contrary, I think, uh, to an ANC that not only desires to renew itself, but must if it wants to reconnect with a voting base that it's beginning to lose. Exactly. And one of the, the first things that the ANC needs to do, in my view, is recalibrate its relationship with the media. Uh, the ANC has a very ambivalent attitude to the media. I mean, the, the, the treatment of the media here is, 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 is a sign of that. Um, um, cordoned off away from the, from the delegates and, and certainly from the, from the leadership. Um, uh, and, and media people are herded into the, uh, whenever there's open, uh, 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 commission sessions, um, sorry, plenary session. Um, uh, we are herded into 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 plenary, um, uh, guided towards uh, uh, seats, um, and and uh, today there weren't even seats uh, to to the floor to sit on the floor, and then guided out again. Uh, no no ability to to engage with uh, the the people who are actually the the, the centre of the ANC, the ordinary uh, branch members, um, and so the ANC, if it if it if it is serious about 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 renewal, if it is serious about about all the things that uh, Lindu Sisulu was articulating right here, um, will need first to recalibrate its, its relationship with the media because whether you like it or not, the media is in very many ways uh, certainly outside of uh, election processes the media is your your um, your conduit to uh, to ordinary people it is the way to get to to, to ordinary uh, ANC members and voters um, outside of, a, of an election campaign. It's coming up for quarter to eight. You are, of course, listening to a special live broadcast of, of the Karima Brown Show. We're coming to you live from the south of Johannesburg at NASREC, the ANC's 54th elective conference. It's the second day. Nominations for the top six have just happened. And, of course, this is a simulcast. Our Cape Talk listeners are able to participate in the conversations. The numbers to dial if you want to be part of the conversation in Johannesburg O double one double eight three O seven O two in Cape Town O two one four four six O five six seven. Sitembile the um the need for reform, uh, and of course tied to, like I said, I want to have this conversation on, on a number of levels. Uh, so the actual live election that is that is playing itself out, um, you know this. Uh, 
a referral of these these um, issues to the commissions. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's um, going to be? And she hinted, Linda Vesisuli hinted that there might be agreements because um, you know we were getting real reports from uh, the credential centre or rather the registration centre that there were massive irregularities mm -hmm. from from all sides, um, and then that there could be delays. One person in the outgoing leadership said to me, "Look, it could collapse." Um, and then, of course, suddenly we had that an, mm -hmm. that agreement, and uh, the agreement is binding. And it was the start of trying to legitimate a process that was, of course, incredibly contested. Now, sending this back to commissions to try and now elect 80 additional members is it going to work? I think that. By the time they've now voted for the top six, it's going to have to work. And I think that what you've seen this past weekend from the setting down of this principle that they're going to comply, not abide by, not funny language, comply with the court judgments from Friday. And then today, I thought it was so telling that you didn't see a single nomination from the floor. Yes. That, you know, I thought that, the floor was going to be I dynamic. I thought the floor was going to be lit. Yes. And you didn't see <laughs> a single nomination. And I think that's very telling. Instead, the delegates wanted to be told by a list who to make their cross next exactly. to. Exactly. And I think that that is very telling of how, and you made you've made this point earlier on 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 TV, which was that ultimately these are politicians that are contesting for state power. Yes. The game is not this. Yes, it's no, not it's 2019. It's 2019, and so the consciousness I think that is in the mind of all of these delegates is that you need to keep things together to make sure that you've got a party to run in 2019. So they can't afford to collapse a conference like this, because if they do, then they... Firstly, it's an embarrassment for for the party, and it shows that the ANC can't function. And then when do they regroup in order to campaign for an election in less than two years? So I think that we keep seeing these noises, these rumbles of sort of dissent, but ultimately it always leads to consensus because the ANC needs to exist for all of these people to have the opportunity to power, to have the opportunity to eat, if that's what they feel like, uh, in order to, if you're particularly ideological, in order to drive their, their particular view of the good life and of a good South Africa forward. So that the, it's never an option to collapse the ANC. And so I think that, you know, once this, the most contested part of the, of the whole process is done, the commissions are going to go ahead. We're still going to get the WhatsApps and the SMSs and, and the, the hysteria and the hysteria about how everything's collapsing. But the point is that all of the people here cannot afford for the ANC to collapse because if the ANC collapses, there goes their careers, there goes their livelihoods. And power is, after all, about sets of interests, Richard. And, I mean, it is being demonstrated here. And isn't it wonderful, the point that you made last night, the minute that NEC stopped uh, existing, President Jacob Zuma's power just started diminishing. Suddenly you could find the beginnings of a green shoot around a centre again. And for a long time we were saying uh, there's an alternative centre or several centres where President Zuma is magically pulling uh, a policy out out of the air for uh, you know free higher education or an appointment of a of a minister uh, that brings a mining charter about that that doesn't bring the compact together but kind of threatens that it never comes together is this contradictory process Richard that's playing itself out here 
actually going to get us to that sweet spot that the ANC needs to find, even if Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma emerges, simply because the reality of possibly losing power looms so large in 2019. But that's, of course, a huge question. I think there is a renewal moment unfolded in front of our eyes. The question is whether it's a redemption moment. Yes. Can the ANC redeem itself? Can it recover lost ground in terms of integrity, its moral position in society, its ability to hold the centre, to draw people in, to create a new social compact? I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Partly it will be about the new leadership. So, so, so let's, let's, I want to look at that because I have always advanced the argument that the implosion is actually happening inside the party as we speak. This was not just about two types or two individuals. These are representations, perhaps not in its purest form, but certainly um, in some form or the other of two opposing political projects at work. This is about what the ANC is going to look like, not just in 2019, but whether it's going to be around, uh, you know, come 2024, for example. Sitembile, you've been involved in a lot of work around elections. We're going to have an electorate that's under 34 years old. They have no history with the ANC, with liberation. They don't even care. In fact, some of them think that the ANC sold us out, mm -hmm. you know. How does uh, the new leadership, whoever it is, connect with that reality. So one of the first things you're going to have, I mean, Ronald Lamula was on television saying that we've got a, you know, we're being represented by a bunch of retirees. What did he call them? He basically said a bunch of old people. Yes. And that's true, that they've gotten themselves to the point, and Ronald Lamula, we know, was contesting for the ANC Youth League yes. leadership a few years ago. And so I think that one of the first things that's going to happen, whoever takes over, is going to be some rethinking of the Youth League structure. Let us remember that this is the first ANC elective conference pretty much since the Youth League was formed, where the Youth League has not been a leader of the policy conversation. No kingmaker. No kingmaker has actually just been the follower mm. of the current leadership. And so the first step, I think, for any leader who wants to take the ANC forward to 2019 is going to be some reconfiguration of the youth league. Now, Vugani, how does that happen? If Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma wins, given the fact that her stormtroopers were these uh, unreconstructed individuals who can't see the future, who refuse to reform, uh, Batabili Dlamini uh, went on television and said that the court's decisions are never more important than the ANC's. That's just after the ANC was so emphatic about the fact that the court decisions around its two provincial uh, conferences will be adhered to. Mm. Uh, and, of course, it speaks to those alternative projects. So mm. um, I want to start with an ANC under the leadership, potentially, of Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma, um, who is going to be judged by the company she kept. Uh, she didn't have her own campaigners uh, as Lindy Wesi Sulu says her, what is it, 619 she claims, you know, she got there pretty much off the back of, of running a very uh, new, different style campaign. Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma relied on the old hierarchies, the old uh, centers of power and patronage and, of course, the weighty endorsement of President Jacob Zuma. That's, that's that's one of the difficult contradictions um, uh, and paradoxes of the of the entire uh, NDZ um, uh, campaign. 
Uh, she was endorsed by the ANC Women's League. Uh, but in a sense, her campaign is uh, has relied very much on the very traditional ANC uh, power structures and uh, uh, the patriarchal nature of, yes. of those <laughs> ANC power structures, um, where the ANC Women's League basically exists to corral uh, uh, women uh, members of the ANC towards a particular um, uh, uh, way of, uh, of, of behavior, of particular voting behavior. And so that's why I've always been uh, very careful about uh, buying into the narrative of an NDZ presidency as some sort of uh, 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 liberating or, or, or radical uh, uh, type. Shift. Yeah. Uh, uh, whether in, 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 in terms of uh, economic uh, policy outlook or in terms of the, uh, the liberation and foregrounding of, um, of, of, of gender struggles and, 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 and the liberation of women, of women. It isn't that at all. Um, the ANC, when it comes to the demographic, and you and I spoke about this, I think, yes. yesterday, uh, there's been a demographic shift in this country yeah. that's happened around the ANC. In fact, on the, the continent. ANC, exactly. The ANC hasn't yet reckoned with, uh, yeah. with that. And the ANC Youth League, which is meant to lead the ANC and has in the past led the ANC in, 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 in reckoning with, uh, with shifts of that nature is, is completely moribund. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw uh, Colin Maila's um, um, uh, performance today on ENCA. I was in ENCA. the studio when it happened. I mean, it's, it, it was bizarre. <laughs> and he is a, 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 a sad demonstration of what has become of the ANC Youth League. And therefore, the ANC, whoever wins, is going to face the same problem. It cannot speak to young people. It cannot speak to an increasingly young country. Uh, Sitembile needs to dash. He's got other commitments. Final comments from you, Sitembile. We, um, you know, we, we've, we've got the nominations. We might get results this evening. We know that uh, we're still stuck in that old uh, uh, age, so it's going to be a manual count. Uh, do you want to call it? I... I'm going to call it as, using terrible language, as Cyril Slate with DD. Aha. Uh -huh. I think you and I perhaps speaks the same language, but I'm not going to say I'm calling it. Uh, we, uh, Richard, are, of course, going to continue this uh, conversation. Now, we've spoken about the organizational design of the African National Congress as a political party with the aim of uh, holding on to state power, its reason for existence. Uh, but we can't look at this organization's elections and the people who have lined up uh, to take it over without its track record, of course, in government. Uh, and and all of them, uh, whoever wins, is waking up with a massive, massive uh, Jacob Zuma headache. Um, a Jacob Zuma that was lashed by the courts a few days ago. A man who is in all likelihood uh, going to be recharged uh, if our national prosecuting authority, uh, you know, is going to have any self-respect. Um, where does... Uh, the ANC that emerged from here go with the reality of a president that is technically and constitutionally meant to serve out his term until 2019. Now, before you answer, we've got to take um, a spot break at, uh, uh, at uh, two minutes to um, uh, eight o'clock. So you've got two minutes to answer me. 
<laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you for asking me such a big question and giving me so little time to respond. We'll come back to it after but, the but news. No. Um, look, a short, a short answer is, I, let, me, let me quarrel slightly with the way you ended the question for once, Karima, because you, you said that in a sense it's a constitutional requirement when you implied that for the president to serve out his term. I disagree that the president... Yes, I'm wrong. Let me, let, let me be the first to say I'm wrong. It isn't a constitutional requirement. Um, what I meant was he is an elected president. He's, He's a legitimate president. Let me put it that way. Yeah. National yes. Assembly yeah. and, and the ANC uh, continues to have a majority in that National Assembly until a new National Assembly is, is elected after an, a national election. It's up to the ANC as the majority ruling party with a majority in that parliament to decide who of their number... Uh, is the president and therefore that is why we have this extraordinary situation in this country where we have a very powerful executive president but one who can be removed as Tabu Mbeck famously or infamously was in 2008 ruthlessly by, by his own party. That could now happen next year depending of course on what happens tomorrow. The thing I think we're all going to be very interested in and that's why you're absolutely right to get us talking about the deputy president and the other top six is what, whoever wins, what sort of inheritance do they have? Yes. Do they, is it going to be a winner takes all? Or is it going to be a mixed victory with, with representatives of both sides? And will that then stymie any reform or renewal? Absolutely. All of these questions, of course, will uh, be unpacked further after the news.